0: Welcome, Highfalutin' Ski Bomb Podcast, episode number 169. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up?
1: I'm feeling good today. It's been kind of a long, felt like a long week. But uh, yeah, the holiday's coming. It's going to be a short week this week for a lot of people. Uh, Summer's in full kick. There's a lot
0: going on. There is a lot going on. But of course, there's always things happening in the ski world. And that's why you tune into us, we think. Because... Your skiers, your boarders, you want to hear what's going on. You want our wonderful, charming commentary and witty banter. And that's what we're here to deliver for you. So thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. You can go there, check out the shop, slash shop. We're on all the socials Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at skibumpodcast. We're on SoundCloud and YouTube and iHeartRadio and Spotify. Just search for us everywhere. Search for us, you'll find us. And
1: a- before- ask your Alexa, ask your Google Home,
0: they'll go find for you. She won't find anything; she's useless. But yeah, those other ones, they'll probably find something.
1: Well, I got a new phone, so I like Siri better because she works better on the new phone.
0: Oh, but
1: only on the phone for the for the smart home. I still I'm still an Alexa guy.
0: Yeah. So before we get started, want to give a massive, tremendous shout out and love to our pal Nick who you will remember from a few episodes back him and his wife just welcomed a new baby girl into the world this morning i hope i'm pronouncing it right Isla winter is now with us on this planet a future skier a future shredder wow so very cool um, congratulations to them we cannot wait to to meet her and to it's been a they've been on quite a journey and it's uh, it's so awesome that it's finally that she's finally here and that everyone's doing well and is healthy and happy. So congratulations, oh, congratulations
1: guys. I gotta, I gotta wish Nick, uh, congrats on that.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of, uh, <laughs> they were, they were kind of keeping it on the DL for, for various reasons, but yeah, it's, uh, it's official now. So congratulations. It's very cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Wow. I'm happy for that. Yes. And also as if you guys love us, podcast awards that's starting up july 1st
1: boom coming up soon next week
0: yeah uh we're gonna have some links that we're gonna probably post out on the socials starting on the first so that we can get nominated and i was looking at the different categories so where do you think we should be should we be in sports or entertainment uh i don't know where where
1: well i submitted us for one of them and i gotta see when they post it out there where we're listed because I forgot. I think I might have submitted twice.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: So hopefully under the same category, but as long as you find us, I think you could
2: just vote for us.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll have a bunch of uh things that we're gonna you know put out on the socials once this gets rolling. So it'll help you and minimize your effort required from you to help get us nominated and voted. So I mean, I doubt we'll win, but you know what? You got to at least put your, uh, your hat in the ring.
1: Just want to be, we want to be mentioned. Let's put it that way. That's and true. we want to show the love and the respect to our fans by saying we're trying to get nominated because we know you like us. We think it's a good show. I know some, some of you think it's a good show, so why not? Right.
0: Hashtag pre-greatness. Pre-greatness.
1: We're still in pre-greatness.
0: Still as, pre-greatness.
1: as Brian said on, uh, Instagram, who was it? It's because we, uh, haven't gone to rehab yet, so we're pre-greatness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had someone that uh, that, that responded to us. And so we do appreciate that too. It's very cool. we, we appreciate everyone who's been checking it out. So thank you. And if you can rate us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe and, and, uh, you know, share it with anyone you think might be into it.
1: And for entertainment, you know, let your friends know that uh, this is on the map. I mean, we, uh, we have legitimacy, legitimacy so that you can say that you listen to you know, uh, something makes you happy, especially about skiing makes you happy. We talk about stupid stuff, so it works out for everybody. Sure.
0: We think you'll learn at least something every week. And that's if we've done that, if we've brought you a little inspiration, maybe a little bit of knowledge, then we're doing our part.
2: It's time for Oprah today. Oh, well, we Oprah
1: today. We've been Oprah already.
0: Mario, would you like to kick this off?
1: I think I prayed all day today. Went Beautiful. to the beach. I was beach bumming it today and a few drinks. Now a hard knock life. It's a hard life. It's been it's been tough on me lately. You know, I have to make sure I apply a lot of suntan lotion and uh not over drink because I bike and you know, bike out to the beach and bike back. So uh then I get home and you know I'm home. So I don't have to drive anywhere or ride anywhere. But uh yeah. So I started out with, you know, it's been all day. It's been beers, the Moscow Mules, Vodka Club, Gin and Club. Um, so I kind of mixed everything today. It's been, it's been whirling. Um, put my liver through the paces, but it's kind of vacation right now. Um, but I'm going back to an old, old favorite, the J dubs bell cow milk chocolate Porter, Mm. uh, 5.6 ABV. Um, not too big, not too, not too small, but, uh, the taste
0: is Ah, oh, it's just like a milk chocolate shake. I think you gave me one of those last summer. when you Yeah. Came. Yeah, that was really good.
1: It's delicious. I had this in the fridge and I was like, time for you to go, buddy. I got to rotate. I got to rotate the stock. I got to go to the beer store again. And as I showed Brian, I'm like, I got to go get some more Tito's as well.
0: So you just kind of put it up there. for <laughs> those listening to only the audio. You had a handle of Tito's and there's what? Like a less than one-tenth less?
1: This is... This is done. There's like maybe a shot left and we got at Costco last week. Um, so we had some friends over, I think on, I'm trying to make excuses, but basically it disappeared in six days. So
0: that's a, that's a lot of vodka,
1: but it's been Moscow mule dedication week and not a lot of beer. It's just been mules. So think about the beers you drink, translate those into Moscow mules over. What's, the, what's
0: the exchange rate these days on a <laughs> mule to a beer? You
1: know, and then Tito's is, is sometimes, I don't know. Think about if you had a regular one-shot drink compared to like an IPA. You'd probably have to make it a double.
0: Probably true, yes. Right?
1: Just saying because mm-hmm. those IPAs are 70%, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, so that's uh, so that's what I got today. I got the, uh am going to do that milk chocolate porter. It's a nice
2: little, almost like a little dessert. Oh. How about you, Brian?
0: So, we had some friends up visiting from your neck of the woods. And, you know, we were, uh, we were trying to find somewhere to go last night. And we decided to go to a local brewery, local to where I'm at right now. And we went to the Kane Brewery over in Ocean, New Jersey. I love Kane. Head High. Head High is one of their, I guess, kind of their the flagship? flagship beers. Yeah. yeah. It's a solid IPA. And they are making some really, really good beers there at the uh, at Kane. So we decided that we got there late. Right? They only open for a few hours during the week, so we were able to get there, do a flight, and there was one beer I wanted to buy a growler of, but they it got made like one batch of it, and the keg tapped, and there was none of that beer to be had. But a nice silver medal was the SBX that they they're making. And the SPX is an Imperial IPA. And I'm just going to pull up the photo I took on the, uh, the wall that described what kind of hops are in there. X the X factor. I like it. Yeah. And it doesn't say, it just as Imperial IPA. So I don't know what the hell kind of hops. The other beer that they ran out of, that was the one they, they listed the different kind, but this is, you know, this is a really, really isn't that a nice
1: tease when you have a good beer and they run out of it right there. You're like, Sons of bitches, why'd you have to run out now? Couldn't be when I walked out the door.
0: Well, you know what? I should have gotten it that earlier. That's on me. I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming myself.
1: That's on you. You should have been out there with your um your Yeti backpack right I had to go. the
0: Yeti backpack with me. That oh, was- you did? Oh, of course I did. That goes everywhere with me now. Like right. I- like it's I'm a part just part of your body now. <laughs> I've become <laughs> one with the Yeti backpack.
1: Right. Yeah. Did <laughs> you I, get the Yeti ice? I, I forgot to ask.
0: No, I have not gotten the Yeti ice yet. But my birthday is coming up in a few weeks. If anyone yeah. wants to, you know, maybe send us a gift. You can Yeti go. Ice. I think we oh, you know what? We should um we should put our like Amazon Wishlist. wish list up there and put just like a bunch of Yeti ice.
1: I think we have a wish list. <laughs> I looked at the other day and I was like,
0: Oh yeah, we do. It's a lot like, I don't know when the last time we edited it was, but it's uh, been a
1: long time.
0: It's been at least two years, I think. Yeah. We need some Yeti ice, but I got the, some other ice packs that are working pretty well. So the beers, uh, again, it's a Imperial IPA. So it's got, you know, very hoppy flavor, but it's not bitter, really smooth, really creamy, really drinkable. It's, it's, Got a decent ABV 8.4. So nice. you have a couple of these, you're going to be feeling pretty good, but
1: that's an adult beer right there. You, that's...
0: Just, you just smell and you get, you know, citrus and hot no training
1: wheels on that. It's
0: really drinkable, really tasty. Um, again, totally. it's crushing it. If you can, so that also it, has
1: a lot of citrus, you said, right?
0: A lot of citrus. Yeah. It's like very sickly, which is my uh, kind of IPA. So
1: it's creamy and, and juicy. hmm. Pretty much. You know, I notice a lot of the beers coming out are, are very citrusy, which I guess that's the profile with
2: the hops, right?
0: Yeah, people love it. Uh, I get it. You know, it makes it a lot more palatable. It's funny to think like how the IPA has evolved and it used to... I remember, you know, first drinking them, you know, years ago and... Yeah, I hate them when I first drank them. They're bitter, they're gross. Like, why would anybody drink this on purpose? And then... Yeah. I don't know if it's your, your palate changes or you just... They, they're they getting better at brewing them. You try different ones and it's just... I think it's
1: both. The palate changes, but they've gotten better.
0: Yeah, they really have. So, great job, Kane. And speaking of beer and Nazis... (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) What? Speaking of Nazis. (laughs) Speaking of beer and Nazis, German locals purchased Towns' entire beer supply ahead of Far Right Music Festival. And their quote, we wanted to dry the Nazis out. So there is... A uh, a music festival, the Schild und Schwert festival, the Shield and Sword Festival, took place over the weekend in the town of Osteritz in Saxony. Ahead of the event, a court in Dresden, East Germany, imposed a ban on the sale of alcohol and possession of alcohol in order to prevent violence erupting. The day that the festival began, Saxony police revealed. They had confiscated around 4,200 liters or 1,100 gallons of beer from the white supremacists attending the event, with a further 200 liters also seized on Saturday. Damn! The force continually tweeted images of their officers seizing alcohol during the festival.
1: What kind of music do they have at this neo-Nazi festival?
0: Um, I'm doubting it's a lot of like Kenny G or Michael Bolton. It's probably a little angrier.
1: Michael but, Jackson, you Shane?
0: So, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> Smooth criminal, maybe. <laughs> so the best thing about was, Quest. So that was, yeah, So that was the government stepping in and stealing the beers. But wow. people were predicting that the neo-Nazis would attempt to purchase more alcohol once they were in Ostritz, the town. So the local residents took it upon themselves to stock up on hundreds of crates of beer from the local store. So instead of, like, allowing them to just, you know, go out and purchase it, these people, to prevent that, like, you know, they when these liquor stores got their shipment in, they would go and just buy it up.
2: You got to step up.
0: Yeah. And, of course, in the town, when the, uh, the festival was going on, they were also holding a peace festival commemorating the 100th anniversary of the local soccer team.
1: Oh, look at that. Yeah. All sort of ways to kind of defuse the tensions, maybe.
0: Yeah. And there were allegedly 600 people who reported to have attended the neo-Nazi festival, with numbers dropping slightly by the second night. Wow. That's not a lot of people. <coughs> yeah, I wonder if, if the alcohol makes you more of a Nazi or less of a Nazi. I
1: can't realize there's that many Nazi people still out there. I guess. Well, it's a stat that you never check on. Like, what's the ratio of normal people to Nazi people? Like...
0: Yeah, it's got to oh, be pretty low.
1: Well, Here's the funny part, right? So there's this music festival. So you know there's people that are like, I'm not a neo-Nazi, but I really like this band. <laughs> so they're like, do I go to this? And, you know, like, it's what like, happens not, then?
0: It's like, I don't like their lyrics, but I love their music. <laughs> God, like, good I, love the, I love the instrumental version of their song. I just hate when they start talking about, you know, killing all the Jews and, and hanging people and murdering people. Like, but the music itself is beautiful. <laughs> You don't hear a lot of that, do you?
1: No, you don't. You know, but that's kind of if you think about. it. So, like, they could have come out with like a ban on alcohol, but then that hurts businesses. I think it's pretty, um, pretty savvy. Then to say, look, just buy it all out, so vendors all get their money, and they kind of defuse the situation without really kind of telling people you can't do something. They just bought it out.
0: Yeah, that's the uh, the people. That's so it. They rose
1: up, bought yeah.
0: it out yeah they they stood up what they believed in
1: that's good very organized
2: i like yeah, that 600 organized.
0: people is not a lot of nazis so that's a that's always a good thing yeah less nazis more beer
2: more beer that's kind
0: exactly. of our slogan
1: <laughs> <laughs> that should be on a t-shirt right we're like nazi light <laughs> <laughs> natty light natty light nazi light nazi light <laughs> ah oh, see you could just morph that into nazi light
0: nazi light yeah
1: I don't think there's anything light about a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have like a little bit of Nazism. Like it's just once you get a little, it like infects it everything.
0: It's kind of binary.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You're either in or you're out.
1: It's kind of dropping a deuce in the pool, right? Mm. <laughs> the whole pool is tainted.
0: The whole pool is tainted, right?
1: That's it. Yeah. How many drops of deuce? I'm getting out. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not swimming there for a while. That's
0: right. Next up,
1: So while we're uh, at Opry, you know, there was a, an article about Tennessee just had this uh, pretty big deal uh, where they had a um, they had a law on the books that actually went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And this past week, uh, it's a law that required liquor store owners to live in the state two years before they could open a business there. Uh, went up to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said this is ridiculous, bullshit. Uh, so, it's not uh, legitimate to have it. So, it opens up a lot of space now for people to open up businesses in Tennessee, which Tennessee still has these weird, like, I guess, I don't know if it's still true, but where they used to make Jack Daniels, that county is a dry county. So, it's yeah, just, I think it still is. It's weird stuff going on. So, uh, it's good to hear, but it's also good to hear that finally people are looking at some of the laws on the books and, and saying, Hey, this is ridiculous. Why do we still have this? So,
0: well, again, like why even have that law in the first place?
1: Yeah, to, yeah. Why you have to be there for two years? Well, you know, it's like, because somebody had special interest and they wanted to keep, you know, non-locals from investing and buying it up. And maybe at some time it was to protect the local economy. Um, but you know times change.
0: it's kind of squashing competition really is all it is,
1: yeah, they're saying it uh, it gave the uh a com- it gave residents a competitive edge over people from other states in setting up new businesses for liquor um, but I think they had a problem because they didn't have enough there was, there was such a demand and not enough supply that uh you know this uh this uh these store owners were closed down, and they were like, "Well, this is a ridiculous law." And then they they took it all the way up to the uh, Supreme Court. So,
0: and that's that's it's a strange law in the first place. But yeah, I guess you know when you kind of explain it that way, it does make sense. And you know, I guess you do want to protect your your constituents first. But I guess with time, like a lot of that stuff is it's just not necessary anymore. You know, it's like yeah. if, you, if you had like a, a business and you know, you can't set up a business for two years, it's like, well, I have an online retailer shop. Like, why would I even stay in your state then if I would have to wait two years to set up a business? Yeah. I, think it's I mean, very specific to, to alcohol and to a liquor store, but right. that same logic could, you know, easily be be set up and done it with, for different kinds of businesses and again i'm sure this was done you know hundreds of years ago a couple hundred years ago when they set this all up so you know times are very different and you know, that's that's the one creepy thing about like very specific laws from a certain time is that they they don't have the same relevance now as they did back then yeah
1: i mean it's funny though like if you look at most states i, I almost guarantee you almost every state has weird laws like this that nobody really questions or it just is um it's almost like you know how they do like you know certain towns the signage has to be certain look like so you see like the mcdonald's in the in the wood sign you know toned down um, or they don't allow mcdonald's or big chains on you know a certain stretch of road or something like that so there's little laws that kind of kind of do that usually to push out some of the big investors uh, coming in and and you know i guess it gives a little panache and a little local feel to some of the towns, but um,
0: if you're going to a town that has like the McDonald's and like the wood frame sign, you know, you're in a nice town.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cause I got McDonald's to say, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll forego our corporate identity for for your little wood sign. Our
0: usual, like like 20 foot tall, like glowing M. Yeah, exactly. Like when you go past like a, uh, like one of those towns, like off a highway where it's just like a, a whole Road just full of like every chain restaurant and gas station, and yeah,
1: and you know I see that down here like so i'm in I'm in Clearwater, so Clearwater Beach, they just passed different laws like to allow buildings to go over like a story or two, and a lot of people old timers are pissed off still because they're like used to be so nice and used to be like family, kind of like the Jersey show where there's no big hotels, it's all just like. Little motels and you know houses that people rent, stuff like that. um I guess that's more how it used to be, and then they changed the law, and you see there's a whole row of like the hyatt, the Wyndham, the hill you know like all these big hotels, you know, twenty stories that just went up in the last five years, and it just changed the whole landscape of it. I don't think it's bad, but um I can see how it it changes the feel of the town, you know
0: oh yeah, definitely.
2: No,
1: but there's also so much you can do. You know, you, you could say here are the laws for everybody, but when you start saying, "Oh, you know, even though you're a resident here, you can't open up a business," that's kind of bullshit.
0: Yeah, not really. Um, it's. And again, it's it's kind of an outdated practice. So not cool. That change. And one other story here from the Apprate Today segment, which has a bit of a skiing tie into it. Yes. exclusive Yellowstone Club, Montana, agrees $370,000 settlement to keep liquor licenses after intentionally deceiving state inspectors. Damn,
1: that sounds juicy.
0: What happened there? On you. There was allegations that the Yellowstone Club served alcohol at a bar and restaurant that had applied for but not yet acquired a liquor license. And intentionally deceived state inspectors who visited the site uh-huh.
1: yeah, but were they selling it or just serving it
0: I think well, I think both I mean serving and selling well
1: because I've been to places that don't have a liquor license, and they're like, so I won't name where it is, but it's it's where I used to it's in New Jersey and uh it's a sushi place and they don't have a liquor license they allow you to bring your own and I said something to the person I was like oh you don't have you know, I usually like a beer like a Kirin or, or Sapporo with uh with sushi. So I asked them like, oh no, we have some in the back, but uh we can't sell it to you. So I'll just bring you on. And they just brought one. And I was really? like, That's that's legal because I'm of age and they didn't sell it to me. So they just gave it to me. I'm like, that's pretty cool. So I made sure I tipped them well, you know, to compensate for that. But there was no there's no charge for it on the bill or anything. It was just kind of, here you go, buddy. Thanks, man. Interesting. Kind of nice. Yeah. So I wonder if they were doing that or if they were actually charging. Then that's
0: part of breaking love. It says, so a liquor license dispute emerged after Williamson, the club's general manager, applied in December for a liquor license for the club's new Buffalo Bar and Grill and its boot room late night hangout. Although the establishments passed initial state inspection in January when inspectors returned unannounced a week later, after receiving a tip, he found a fully stocked bar with customers drinking before the new license had been issued. Ooh. So Williamson had proposed purposely purpose oh my God. purposely.
1: <laughs> I get that way sometimes. That's from Got too much it? reading.
0: Good. All right. So Williamson <laughs> <had> purposely <laughs> t-
1: cocaine's a hell of a drug. The ah
0: really. t- t- oh, yeah. Sounded out. So, I knew, yeah. Had purpose-
2: I knew.
0: That's right. the inspectors ordering the booze, which had been purchased through the other licenses at the resort, packed up and moved out in trucks to hide it from spade inspectors the day before the original inspection.
2: I like
1: that. That's like an original speakeasy.
0: Yeah, that is. That's, you know.
1: They could have had a snowcat the entire time, pull up the snowcat to a window, serve out of there, and then, oh, somebody's coming. Ride that snowcat away.
0: Yeah, so that's uh, that was kind of the move, <laughs> the move they pulled. <laughs> that's awesome. And, but you know what? Like again, I, I goddamn broken record with complaining about the government. But you know, you have these officials, and like everything just takes so long to go through. It's like you know, the the ski season is only so long and you know you have these people that you're catering to it's like listen man we applied for this like can we get it in like a couple of days like why is this taking so long you come in like is there like a uh a council of elders you have to present your findings to and they have to go and um, quest and ponder <laughs> a decision and then get back to you and send a raven for how you know wh- whether you got the license or not it's like can't we just like get this done quick and like just start getting commerce rolling yeah like well, was necessary wasted time.
1: Well, that's where they look and they're like, well, you know, what's in it for me? You got, they got to get the kickback sometimes.
0: Yeah. A bunch of rent seeking bureaucrats. Yeah. At the it's, revenue department. In it's my- a
1: whole shady business. I've, I've talked to people that were trying to get liquor license or had liquor licenses. And like New York, New Jersey, there's some places like a place will go out of business and they'll sell the liquor license for like more than the place is worth. That's crazy. Because there's no more liquor license. So they sell it to somebody, which means they don't have to go through the bureaucratic bullshit and begging somebody to give them a liquor license um, when a lot of times they get doled out to people they know. So it's kind of...
0: Some shady stuff.
1: Yeah, it's shady. It leads to shadiness. Let's put it that way. Well,
0: I think 370 grand, the fine they paid is pretty much one year of membership at the uh, Yellowstone Club anyway. So you get one new person to join the club and that will just take care of the uh, of paying that 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 fine.
1: (laughs) See, the problem is right there is the Yellowstone Club is probably so fancy. They didn't have any of the local people that like ran the cops right? (laughs) that were members.
0: Yeah, all these fancy people from Silicon Valley flying out there and be part of this club.
1: If you had more local uh, you know, law enforcement as part of the club, they would have been like, oh, we'll take care of this for you. We, you were, we know how to get this done.
0: If you were keeping it real. Yeah, keep it real. They weren't keeping it real, trying to be all, uh, all fancy like. That's right. Too highfalutin. That's right.
1: Oh, I did pull up our Amazon uh, list, by the way.
0: Oh, on you a did? Separate note.
1: Okay. The only thing we have in there is the original Westerly. that's right for $239 which leads
0: into our new religion (laughs) Lebowski's Witnesses
1: Lebowski's Witnesses which I ruined my eyeglass prescription for by writing it in big magic marker last week
0: so if you didn't listen to episodes (laughs) 167 and 168 where we started devising our religion that might actually start called Lebowski's Witnesses yeah, you may have you may have missed out on some some brilliance, so you should definitely go and check those out. But yeah, the next morning it was funny because we had like we were texting. You're like, dude, all I I don't remember how the podcast ended, but I did find my eyeglass prescription that says Lebowski's witness on. It.
1: <laughs> I can still read the prescription, so that's good. But I'm like in big letters. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna bring that to like to get filled, and they am like, what the hell is this?
0: What the hell? <laughs> Is this code for something?
1: <laughs> so it could be we were talking to our buddy Frank before. Uh <laughs> shout out to Frank.
0: <laughs> shout out to Frank.
1: And um <laughs> I don't know. It could be a way of life. It could be think about a bunch of Lebowski's witnesses monks meditating in an, in a lazy boy chair with a uh with a uh whatchamacallit? The uh it's a drink, the um the White Russian the, the White Russian. With the right Russian, meditating, sitting there with the glasses on in a lazy boy chair, meditating, right? That could be part of it.
0: Well, I'm thinking like somehow we need to get a, the westerly made as a ski onesie.
1: Oh, the wester- the Westerly onesie. Westerly onesie. <laughs> I'm writing that down now. But not in Big Magic Farm.
0: <laughs> the Westerly onesie, just hanging out, like drinking, like having a camelback full of White Russians.
1: Oh, camelback of White Russians. Yes. Think about that. So we could special have special like, camelback, White Russian camelback.
0: We could have like a Lebowski fest, where like everyone's rocking the Westerly onesies, drinking a backpack camelback full of White Russians. I think
1: we pair that up with monoski of Palooza.
0: So Corbett's monoski <laughs> drinking white Russians launching off
1: onesie westerlies.
0: Onesie westerlies. Dude, that's right, nice. that would be good. I think, I think this could happen. This has, uh,
1: this has legs. And I tell you what, it would be the only organization, religion, mantra group that would churn out the best bowlers that this world has ever seen. Think about that because that would be part of. Like, if some some religions go to church. You would have to go to the bowling alley every week and bowl.
0: Well, think about whatever whatever ski location we decided to take over. We would have to have a bowling alley exactly in the lodge. Imagine Apre Bowling.
1: Oh, dude, that's genius! Right? That just hit me right now. That's genius.
0: That's what I'm talking about. So after skiing, you go uh, bowl a few rounds.
1: What is bowling in general, right? So you bowl, and while you're bowling, you're drinking. It's like You're bowling, but it's like one big Opry Ski. So now you do that for Opry Ski,
0: you got all one nut right there. Yeah. just It all is just very inclusive.
1: All right. Bowling Opry Ski. I'm writing that down too.
0: In your onesie westerly.
1: (laughs) That's right. Talking about the day.
0: Does Lang make bowling shoes?
1: You know, that opens up the ski companies to making bowling balls and bowling
0: shoes. Bowling balls and bowling shoes. Wow. Trying to think if there's a place you can put your ball.
1: I wonder if you'd have a special ball backpack you ski with it.
0: I should be falling though on that.
1: You got to ski with your ball, man. That's part of it, dude. If you, yeah, the dude, yeah. always has his ball. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Instead of ski poles, just have two bowling balls, like two bowling ball bags. <laughs> So you'd backpack. be
1: jacked, you know. Jacked, you'd be. Your
0: shoulders would be shredded.
2: Yeah,
1: you like a Greek god right
2: there.
0: If you had a backpack with a bowling ball in, and you fell, you would be paralyzed pretty much. Like if you fell on your stomach, it would just like shatter like your sixth and seventh vertebrae. Yeah, like, probably would. backwards. You would just bend in half and be paralyzed.
1: Yeah. So then again, if it launched, it wasn't tied down well. <laughs> that thing's launching. Holy crap, that
0: would be Imagine actually, actually like started... It would literally be snowballing. It would just <laughs> be like building up and it'd be like this massive, just giant <laughs> snowball that would like barrel through the lodge when it goes down to the bottom.
1: Remember that rogue ski that went zipping through the uh, terrain park that went down? That
0: was that thing was flying. <laughs> that was like getting hit like terminal velocity. It was pretty close. Can
1: you imagine a bowling ball, a 16-pounder going at you like that oh. down the mountain? Take like, off somebody's head.
0: Just launch it. It hits like a little like... Bump and just like right in your nut, just nails you,
1: man. Oh man, that would ruin the day. Whew. So that was a nice tangent from uh, our wish
2: list. That's the only thing out there
0: huh. until tonight. That's
2: our default list.
0: We are upgrading our list.
2: Yeah, we're gonna have to
0: Yeti Ice. Got to add
1: Yeti. the Yeti Ice. Got to add the Yeti Ice. All right, so I'm gonna close this. That's another thing. Update wish
0: list. <laughs> the Westerly onesie, I like that. The onesterly.
1: You know, I bet you we could find something to make it and sell those. Tipsy Elves. Tipsy Elves.
0: The onesterly. The
1: Onesterly. The, the Highfalutin Ski Bomb Westerly onesie.
0: Dude, I like that a lot. With the little patch logo on it. That would be so dope. <clears throat> all right.
1: This this might happen. This all might happen.
0: It's got legs. It's got legs.
2: It's
1: got legs in there. Sexy legs. <laughs> Running all over this idea.
2: Let's get into the genjula.
1: All right. So uh, we spoke to Frank today. I don't think we got
0: a. Um... We've been beanless for a while. Well, Frank also disclosed some information that he's been for reasons we don't like to talk about. He's been abstaining from cannabis recently.
1: Yes. And he's been traveling, I think. So, yeah. It's just stuff going on, life coming up, but yeah, we did talk to Frank. We'll let our, our listeners know. We had a nice little power with Frank earlier. He played a nice joke on us, which was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, we had a nice conversation, trying to organize some stuff with them, and uh, plan on having another Frankapalooza coming up soon. I gotta say, in another, I could tease it maybe at two weeks. I think we're weeks about.
0: Yeah, it'd be a couple weeks out.
1: Two, three weeks, I think. So, um,
0: I already, I already have the image. I already know what I'm going to put for the, uh, for our, uh, Instagram podcast image post. So,
1: and if you didn't hear, uh, Frank's, um, sit with us the last time, holy crap, that was a two parter and it was a wild ride. So, uh,
0: that was one of the most fun podcasts because we were, we were chatting for like four hours.
1: Yeah. We had to break that up into two, but it was, it was a lot of fun. We, had, uh, we went into tangents upon tangents. About some crazy shit.
0: Yeah, that was episode 162 and 163.
1: Yeah, that was...
0: Yeah, (laughs) they were really, really funny.
1: I got to say, all three of us the next day were like, (laughs) (laughs) what did we... How did we finish? Like, what did we talk... Like, what exactly did we talk about? So listening to it was new for us as well. It was kind of... It was very good.
0: Yeah, those. that was a lot of fun. But yeah, we're going to have him back in the next few weeks as part of our, uh, our summer festivities.
1: Yeah. We're planning some, throwing some ideas out for the next ski season, starting the planning early, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> stay tuned for that. So no being this week, the first story we got is that, uh, we, we had a, uh, a nice piece that they wrote on cannabis originated in Tibet, 28 million years ago. So we're talking about 28 million years ago,
0: 28 million years ago.
1: With an M. So this is after the dinosaurs, when man's on the, on the thing, like right when we started. So they're actually saying um, it's long believed that cannabis is indigenous to Asia. Um, and now a study traced the plant's origin specifically to the edge of the Tibetan plateau, hmm. which may be why they're all, zen, you know, they're all, that's where they have the monasteries. Everybody's all like monks in Tibet, just chilling out. Maybe that, that could be part of it. I don't know, but they're saying um, they believe it was. Uh, it's, it's answering the um, question of the origin and early ca- cultivation of cannabis. Uh, so they're saying because of cannabis' um, significance as a triple-use crop, they said it can be ingested, used for fiber, and turned into a medicine. The origins are subject of interest for centuries because. It had to play a major use until it was demonized by our um, dumbass politicians when they hit the uh, Hearst era. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, as early as uh, 930 CE, what is CE?
0: Uh, what happened about BC? Wasn't that what we used to use back in the day? 80 BC, like, and now CE, I mean... I thought that was like... It's like modern era, and before modern era, or 930 CE.
1: Let's see, CE, common era.
0: Common era.
1: So it's the modern alternative for AD.
0: Okay. Oh, so the BCE is before common era. So I guess common era is zero. They just decided to pick a year. Like, yeah, this is zero now. Before it's, this...
1: So, I guess it's, this is political correctness again, where we can't just say A, D, and B, C. got to come up with C, E, because it doesn't offend anybody. Well, I tell you what, it offends the fuck out of me. Anyway, so, they're saying <laughs> as early as 930 C.E. Arabian chemist and, uh, and a toxicologist uh, suggested India or perhaps China as the plant's origin, but anthropologists anthropologists li- Anthropologist,
0: we're having all kinds of problems pronouncing words, right? <laughs> At least your word actually was complicated or mine like, was just purposely.
1: I'm just reading it too fast. I'm like anthropologist, like it's anthropologist. It's like
0: they used to stu- they studied the history of papayas, anthropologist. <laughs> That's right. They're like, really? <laughs> papayas for 20 million years. <laughs> uh,
1: so they read uh, okay, so anthropologists recently unearthed a 2500 year old. Uh, wood wooden braziers used to burn cannabis at a barrel ground in uh, the eastern Pamir region of China. But I calculation we
0: talked about that last week, didn't we?
1: Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of linking to that other uh story, and they're saying they're tracing it back to an estimated 28 million years. Isn't that crazy?
0: Dude, it, it really just it really points out just how hysterical governments and laws and them trying to ban and make things illegal really is because you're trying to make something illegal. It's like someone trying to make like dandelions illegal. It's like, it's been here for thousands and thousands of years and it grows naturally. And you're trying to ban it. Like, like who the fuck are you? You're just some jerk off in a suit. who's going to be here for 80 years tops and then be gone. These yeah. things are gonna, they were here before you. They're going to be here after you. It, it's it stop this with this, like being thinking control everything and control people and what they're going to consume.
1: Yeah. And they're actually saying that like cannabis, like kind of split off and cannabis went. So off of the same plant, the shame cannabis and hops split off from one another. So that's why hops, I guess has a lot of smell properties similar to uh to canvas.
0: Oh, that's really, that's pretty awesome. Actually.
1: Very interesting. And they talk about the migration through Russia to Europe. So, you know, uh, once something's here, people start taking it everywhere, but that's uh pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. I love one of the comments at the bottom and kind of what you said. It's like, does this explain Buddhism?
2: Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So they have the original OG. They have the
2: OG in, in, in,
0: yeah, pretty okay. much. It's the uh, Tibetan Kush. Oh, Tibetan Kush,
1: but you got to go to Tibet to get it. Yeah, grown at high altitude. Maybe that's why everybody wants to go to Everest.
0: <laughs> that is the reason. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they want the OG stuff.
0: Like I heard at the top, they're growing this like crazy weed. Isn't that true? They're like one you know, man. It's <laughs> you, not mean,
1: good. you got bad I, information. I know how the Tibetan people can get
2: rich. <laughs> they got <laughs> the magic Kush.
0: Think about that oh. it's been growing for 28 million years and yet the last 80 years we've somehow found some people who have been trying to make it illegal yeah like isn't it just hysterical like the it, arrogance to think you can control a plant that's been around for 28 million years Why don't you ban poison ivy poison <laughs> ivy fucking sucks <laughs> get rid of that but
1: you know what's crazy is they banned it but then they're like, well, you could still import it for hemp, you know, for rope and for textiles and stuff like that. Like a shitload of it because it, they, they saw the use of growing it for those purposes. But yet they still, well, you know, we can't grow it in this country. Oh, so we're going to just bring it in from another country. Like, you know, you know, you can support our farmers that way and support our whole economy by now. Nah. We've been down that road.
0: It's another one of those follow the monies.
1: Exactly. Exactly. See the way people... Was William H. Hurst? That
0: prick. That douchebag. (laughs) Henry Anslinger, Harry Anslinger, the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Follow the money. If you really want to see why people believe in what they do, follow the money. And you will... And you will... uh, Your answers will all be revealed to you in a very short period of time.
2: Now I want to go to Tibet.
0: I kind of do too. That'd be a fun (laughs) podcast.
1: Oh, can you imagine uh, going up there and just hanging out like in silence, except for our show for like a week? Getting the months out there. I bet you there's some really cool months.
0: I bet there is.
1: They probably got a shitload of stories that would freak us out, man. (laughs) They're like, I have seen shit. (laughs) Crazy. You think the Nazi story is bad. Those guys probably got some stories for you.
0: Yeah, right. All right, next up. In Italy, cannabis light is booming. though The weed is so weak, it's like decaf marijuana.
1: That's the morning marijuana, right?
0: Yeah, this is pretty interesting that in Italy, they're having a green gold rush where mild, barely there marijuana um, is putting Italy on the international weed map, producing hundreds of stores that sell pot by the pouch and attention from investor bankers that uh investment bankers the legals so is it i'm trying to understand the story a little bit better so is it actually legal there in italy to have this i don't think
1: it's legal so i read this story and I, i don't think it's totally legal um but they make it um such a mild version i guess people are like well it's not that bad you know what i mean
0: Yeah. Okay. So Italy's highest court clouded the climate four weeks ago by ruling it was illegal to market hemp-derived products that weren't, in practice, devoid of the power to provide a perceptible high. Uh, Testing and customer review suggested cannabis light outlets sold weed that that is weak.
2: Oh, so they actually said it doesn't kind of meet the
1: illegality because it doesn't have the power to provide a perceptible high. It's so mild. Yeah. That's a nice little loophole so they can get out there. And But think about it. Somebody's growing a strain now that is very mild, which actually a lot of people that want to do medical marijuana don't want the THC in it. They don't want the high. They just want the medical properties of it. So that's actually
2: kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it says that the European Union... The, uh, the cutoff is 0.2% THC, which is you know, what hemp usually falls into.
2: Like industrial,
1: industrial hemp, right?
0: Yeah. And it says, although 06 is just over the THC concentration required for hemp to become marijuana in a botanist book, Italian regulators assumed it was too low to have a mind-altering effect and its related consumer appeal. Entrepreneurs in the country, with a lackluster economy, nonetheless, saw an opportunity. For the hemp law they had there took effect two and a half years ago and permitted sales of cosmetics and products made with hemp. Gift boutiques, corner markets, and standalone grow shops soon stocked cannabis-infused pasta, olive oil, and gelato, but also jars and bags of light buds. Since marijuana still was illegal, producers labeled the products as collectors' items, not intended for consumption. Ah, nice! That's genius.
1: That's like the uh, what were they doing with that? Um, it was a synthetic marijuana that they were selling as uh, was it Spice or whatever in the the stores here as like a oh, air freshener or some
0: shit and stuff, right?
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> crazy.
0: So the, yeah, so I mean, you're still getting less than was it 0.6 percent is what they're they usually have there, and they say it's a far cry from the legal weed with THC levels of five to 35 percent that you Damn. can in parts of the U.S.
1: 35
0: percent that would crush them. Yeah, it's so a very big difference.
1: I like the cannabis light man. You can just put that in anything. You're like ah yeah, just put a little bit in there.
0: It's like the microdosing, right?
1: I like the I like the idea of microdosing.
0: Microdosing weed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Weed butter. You don't want thirty five percent THC weed butter. You want like you will get hammered eating your toast in the morning. Like you just want to want a little bit.
0: You'd be super high if you had that much. I imagine. But no, imagine. I think we talked about it once before. You know, you get like the um, like the fondue where you're like dipping your your shrimp and stuff in the butter. Imagine you go to Red Lobster and someone dosed the butter at Red Lobster.
1: <laughs> Everybody's getting high
0: garlic pot butter everyone's dipping their freaking uh king crab legs and Ugh. lobster tails and scrimps in that butter just that bar- barbecued mm. imagine all those people high at red lobster
1: oh man that was like the the that was like the terrifying story that we wrote where the uh that we uh read that um there's a, a lady that like to the local fireman, she made pop brownies and brought it down there and they all got baked. And they didn't, cause they didn't know it was in there. And she was like, I was just trying to help them out. Like she was trying to like do something nice to them. And they were like, we were trying to like respond to a fire because like, and we were, we were barbecued. It was crazy. He,
0: brought, he just brought marshmallows to the fire <laughs> instead of the fire hose. Dude,
1: that's so messed up, man. It's like, <laughs> Whoa. Okay. You gotta, <laughs> ma'am, you have to think about what you're doing. And, uh, I think they dropped a suit on her, but it was just kind of like, she was like a little old lady too. She was like, you know, I was just trying to help them out. I'm like, you know, it was really nice of her. She had very nice intentions.
0: See, she's not trying to hurt anybody, trying to do something nice.
1: She's like, you know, they're stressed, they're fighting a lot of fires. Like, it, it's good for them to relax too.
0: I know they have inflammation in their knees and joints. So, Ooh. trying to help them out.
2: <laughs> Let's go to ski news
0: this is from magic mountain in vermont they have just announced that a key element to their snowmaking uh five-year strategic plan they have gained vermont state permission they got a permit approving that doubled the size of their snowmaking pond to approximately nine million gallons while taking the pond off-stream to help create a better aquatic environment for downstream fish. Wow. The permit also allows the intake of water from the Thompsonburg Brook along Route 11 for pond replenishment. Mm. So, For those who are probably you know, more West Coast folks and, and don't understand about Vermont, Vermont is a very interesting place. It's, a, it's I think, the least densely populated state if I'm not mistaken. And the people who were there were very hippie-ish, you know, like think about like Ben and Jerry's, like they're from there.
1: Crunchy, granola, tree-hugging, that's just the culture. That's...
0: They care that's They care about the environment man, you know? Like that's,
1: that's before, the, before we cared about the environment, they cared, right?
0: They, they were pre-carers. Yes. They were caring about it in 950 CE as well. Yeah. <laughs> But what's cool is like, you know, there is something really great about that because they they do care about the environment. They love nature. And obviously the ski industry, you know, they want to have snow. They want to make sure that people can come out to the mountain. They can keep the facilities running. But if you can keep the mountain up and running, more snow, but also making the environment better at the same time, it's just like a two, three, four X winner for everybody. And I went to Magic for the first time this year, and it really is a great mountain. It's it's not big by any stretch of the imagination, but it's got some gnarly vertical. Uh, it's it's very it's lightly groomed, and the time we went, it was they're only open usually Thursday through Sunday, I think maybe Monday, but if there's more than a foot of, or more than six inches of snow, they'll they'll open it on those other days. Nice. It's just a, a small, fun, great mountain, super old school, very throwback. I mean, I think there was 30 people on the mountain on a oh, Thursday wow. when we went.
1: The Thursday was what? 20, 35 bucks or something.
0: Oh yeah. It's throwback Thursday. It's like $29 lift tickets. That's great. It's such a fun place. They've got a great Apre Bar there too. The Black Line Tavern. It's just a, a fantastic place. And if I'm to get more snowmaking, I mean, that's, that's going to be great for them and they just added a new quad to the mountain because everything was doubles there like these, these old school like double chairs they had three wow. lifts, and they just got a stratton's old quad that they're uh, they're putting up this summer so they're th- this place is going to be legit and it's probably going to start getting more and more crowded because of it so if you're in the in you know, central vermont now it's upcoming ski season if you can get out there on like a thursday or friday I think this could be one of the last years it's going to be really easy and, and light on traffic. Cause I think more and more people are starting to know about this place and with increased snowmaking and more lifts, it's only going to get more crowded. So it's a uh, good, get, get to this gem while you can.
1: Well, that's very cool. Um, yeah, a lot of areas too, like they won't blow snow. Like you're like, it's cold. Why aren't they blowing snow? And then you find out like, they have a limit to how many, um, I guess gallons they can, they can run through their snowmaking with their contracts that they have with the local governments. So this will help them be able to, you know, blow more snow, especially when they
2: have the cold, just keep blowing it, you know?
0: Yeah. Now this is going to be really big for them. So this is great to see. Excellent.
2: All
1: right. So next up, there was just an announcement about the next few about one of the future winter Olympics. So 2026 Milan Cortina was awarded the 2026 winter Olympic and Paralympic games. So I skied Cortina. So I, I've been there. Um, and Milan's not that far away. It's probably about, I think if you drove a car, it's like 45 minutes. Uh, but there's like a train and stuff like that. Um, so they won the bid by 13 votes, according to IOC. And they're saying that, um, you know, the games are going to be hosted by Milan and Cortina Uh, marks the third time the Winter Olympics will be held in Italy um, coming 70 years after Cortina hosted the 1956 games um, and 20 years after the Winter Games were hosted in Turin. I remember the Turin Games. Um, When I went to Cortina, they actually do have... So if you do get a chance to go before the Olympics, um, they do have the old um, run, the Olympic run, the downhill, which you can do. It's pretty cool. Uh, There's also James Bond was filmed there uh, in Cortina, like through the city. Uh, I forget which one it was. I don't think it was Thunderball. I forget which one it was, but there was a James Bond that was filmed there. So there's a lot of history. It's one of their nice, like, um, you know, it's a quaint town, but it's also a fancy town. So it's like the
2: San Moritz of Italy is is how they try to build it. Uh, Very cool. And you can ski from, Um,
1: Cortina. Uh, actually, we just stayed in Cortina, but Cortina is weird. It's like a collection of all the mountains. They have it's in the Dolomites, so you got like a all the all the mountains are kind of connected, so you can ski for miles and miles. Uh, broke my arm and and broke my shoulder in Cortina.
0: (laughs) Well, you were saying too, like there was just so many different kinds of lifts out there, too, right? Like, didn't you take like a like a horse? Like a horse yeah. was pulling you too at one point.
1: So there's a horse, there's an escalator, there's an elevator. There was a pull. you know, the, uh, the rope pull. there was what else? Moving stairs. They, they had everything. It was crazy. Um, trams, you know, gondolas, like everything. And the interesting thing about it is you basically, you have the one pass that, that connects all the Dolomite ski areas and there are all these little ski areas that basically you're skiing out of one and into another and it's kind of seamless to you because you're just using your pass everywhere but you don't realize like that was a, a little scary. you just passed you know and it's it's kind of cool like it's all these little towns and uh it's just interesting um but they do have in cortina they have uh some routes they have a, a world war one tour where you could go and the bunkers that you could see where the what is it the Italians and the Austrians used to try to bomb each other out and cause avalanches to bury each other as part of world war one, because they were fighting over who owns that little region. And to this day, they still contest like Italy owns part and, you know, like they still contest like who owns what. And it's just kind of like its own little culture in itself, but it's, it's pretty cool. But they have a a world War one tour, which is where I broke my, shoulder on a mobile run that somebody was stopped at and i just decided to go off trail which was a bad idea um and that's then, how we learn that's how we learn and then they have the um salaranda which goes through i think it's, it's either six to ten different skiers and it basically makes a circle throughout them and you kind of follow that this little trail and um you just see signs through it throughout and you just start it and you finish it at the same spot so it's kind of cool
0: that's so cool.
1: But, yeah, so it's nice to see, but there's a very, it, it's it's like a very small town feel, but very big ski history. Because I think Cortina, they always do a bunch of World Cup events, too. Um, I know Lindsey Vonn said that that was one of her favorite places to, uh, to ski,
0: I believe, is what she said. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right, next up. We've got how ski racing helped Jacques Villeneuve become a Formula One world champion. And this is a video we're going to have a link to in the show notes. And it's pretty cool. It's the folks over at Dodge Ski Boots. They did an interview. And, um, you know, Villeneuve... Villeneuve I, I'm totally butchering his name.
1: I apologize. Villeneuve Villeneuve. 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 Yeah, that sounds good. Villeneuve.
0: He talks about how. B- Jacques
1: Villeneuve.
0: He talks about how ski racing played an important role in his, you know, training and mindset, becoming a Formula One racing champion, and he was a lifelong skier. Yeah. You know that race before, during, and after his Formula One career, and you know he talks about you know just the similarities of the two things, which you know it makes a lot of sense because it's it's fast, it's exhilarating, it's you got to be quick thinking, and you know you, your your body has to know how to react without thinking. It just has to be automatic. You have to be like just so dialed in, and. He talked about how his formula one team was actually trying to ban him from skiing.
2: During- yeah. I, I heard that.
0: <laughs> So this is a cool interview. If you want to check it out, we'll have the, uh, the link in the show notes.
1: I think he said too, like um, it's good for people to be interested in more than one sport. And um, one of the things he got out of, out of skiing before he got in racing was that whole competitiveness. Like you said, the racing, but like, competing, want to be better, want to be faster than somebody else. So that's kind
0: of neat. Oh yeah. There's always, there's always something you can learn from, you know, doing something different that's equally competitive or, you know, there's, there's so many, I remember watching a real sports back in the day and they were showing this family who's was, you know, dedicating their life to getting their kid to be the best baseball player possible. But he was playing in like all these different leagues all over the country, tournaments, whatever but he was only playing baseball all the time. Mm -hmm. And they were so convinced that this was going to get him a scholarship and a chance of playing professional. And maybe it will, but you think about all like the, the best athletes these days, you always hear like, Oh yeah, he could have played baseball, basketball or football because they played all all three of them because of the, uh, you know, if you look at like a Venn diagram of the skills necessary, there's usually a big overlap, but there's also enough of a difference where it keeps things fresh and exciting. I mean, think about if you had to do,
1: it's interesting to a kid, right? You're like, I want to play football because I see other kids playing football. I want to put, you don't want to sit there and watch them. Like you want to play,
2: you know?
0: Well, that's well that. And also too, like if you do the same thing enough, you will get burned out from it. Even if you go in loving it, that's a way to fall out of love with anything is to have to do it all the time. Right.
1: You know, it's so, just, I guess the tenuous part is where you're like, I don't want you to blow out your knee skiing when you're a football running back, you know what I mean? Or vice versa, you know? So there's some of that, but usually it's when you get older, you know?
0: True. Yeah. But there's always, it's always good to, to be doing different things. Cause again, it keeps your, uh, you develop new different skills and different muscles and, and different ways of thinking. And then it changes your perspective on the thing that you're focusing on too. It allows you to look at it from a different angle because you approached another sport or another activity from that point of view.
1: Yeah. All right. Next we got pug ski reviews. So dot com. They did a whole bunch of reviews on different skis. They did them in brackets of like, um, by width so they did uh 80 89 90 to 99 and 100 one hundred nine. they did a whole full-on review of different skis um and it's pretty cool like i know brian you posted this so uh you must have read a bunch of these i read just a few of them um and their reviews are pretty thorough like they they give their their take on it who it's for who it's not for and then just insider
2: tip on it um that was pretty cool
0: yeah it was it was it was cool and kind of strange timing too because they just put it out this week and I'm not exactly sure why maybe this is just when they finish writing up the articles but yeah it was, uh, hey. it was it's always interesting because you know you get it at the you know you get the they always debut the stuff usually earlier in the year usually January February the new stuff comes out but doesn't go on sale till, you know, this summer for next season. Right. These guys usually get the, the sneak preview of them. So
2: I like it.
1: Cause, uh, if you're looking for a deal during the summer, that's when I got my, um, DPS keys I got them in the summer.
0: Yeah. You can, uh, if you have an idea of what you're looking for now is the time. Either if you find a leftover from this past season or you can, uh, get a head start because some of these really awesome skis will sell out.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's 90 degrees. That's why you got a leg up. If you're, if you're, if you know what you want to get, you can either get a good deal on skis because people aren't thinking about skis at when it's 90. Um, (laughs) or you just get a leg up on, on getting in and know what you want when the ski season starts, you know?
0: Yeah. And also too, you know, we'll be talking about it soon, but like DPS has their, uh, their big sale that they do, usually starting the next couple of weeks in July. Yeah. What's it? What? i I I'm, like, I'm drawn a complete.
1: Well, they come up with the special skis too that aren't available. They're only available on a special
2: event.
0: They're like powder works or something. Ah, oh, ski works ski. Forget what they call their uh their summer sale. Let's
2: see DPS sales. Yeah, it's a
0: dream time. Yeah, the DPS Dream Time. Dream time.
2: Dreamy discounts, annual summer show.
0: Yep. So it usually comes out mid July. So we'll talk about it obviously. But that's that's coming out soon.
2: Yeah, they had May. They, they don't, let's see, do they have anything now? No, not yet. I wonder if they put the dates out for it. I,
1: mean, I don't really actually think they have it on the website. They put it out on uh they gotta like subscribe
2: to their newsfeed or something.
0: Mm-hmm yeah, they don't have anything out yet. So maybe after 4th of July, they'll have some more information available.
2: Oh, here it is. Um, under events.
1: Oh, that's stream time 2018. Yeah. So everything
0: is 2018. So nothing really for 2019 yet, but keep your eyes peeled. Don't worry. We'll have your back. We'll report on it. We'll probably talk about it in the next couple of weeks.
2: Oh, we'll be looking for it. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Always. Yeah.
2: All right, you want to grab
0: the last one yeah we got one final one here while we're talking ski news and it's the folks over at meyer skis they are they've just announced that they have a new headquarters in denver and they're having a big celebration the uh, widespread panic merch pop-up at meyer skis is going on and nice I think it actually happened yesterday it actually did. Yeah, yesterday. The festival happened yesterday, so we, we missed it. <laughs>
1: but if you were there, let us know how it was.
0: <laughs> but if you were there, I'm sure it was awesome.
1: I heard it was a chaos because there was widespread panic.
0: Was widespread panic. But the moral of the story is, the most important thing is that Meyers has a new office, a new location, and they're at 1775 South Broadway in Denver. That was pretty cool. Check it out. And there actually is one more story that we're actually... We were going to talk about in the Ski News. But we're pushing it off to the main topic. Which we can just roll into right now.
1: Let's roll into it. Let's start it, man.
0: This, this is kind of the prequel to the 4th of July weekend. And this, this podcast is probably going to go out either the 1st or 2nd of July. So that kind of mm-hmm. works out nicely. That Hey, it's 4th of July. You know, and most people that means beach and barbecues and...
2: If you didn't
1: get into your bathing suit body yet, then it's, you're late. You, you kind of missed it. Just squeeze yourself into that bathing suit and go.
0: Kind of missed that window, yeah. You can always... Yeah. You know, they have those rash guards now. If you want to... If you're embarrassed about your upper half, you can always throw that on these days. And never
1: be embarrassed of your human body. Let it fly.
0: You are yeah. beautiful.
1: No matter what shape it is, it's beautiful to somebody.
0: That's true. That's true. So yeah, 4th of July is happening. Big weekends, big festivals, fireworks, all that good stuff. But do not forget people, you can still ski on 4th of July.
2: Boom. Where can we?
0: There are still several places that are up, running, and available for you to get some turns in. And... And they're in the continental US. Continental US. Get out. One of the craziest ones is good old Beartooth Pass in Montana, which if you haven't seen Warren Miller's line of descent from a couple of years ago, they have a whole segment talking about Beartooth and they're showing it how it just kind of pops up in June and they <laughs> they put in the um the rope toe and people are there in like campers and it's like it's just a big hangout and a party. They've actually had Beartooth pa- now, it's, it's it is a pass and It's usually, it's closed all winter long. They actually had to close it this past week because of snow. Nice. It's US 212 in Montana. It was closed due to blowing and driving snow and high winds. Wow. It's closed June 20th at 730 and has just been reopened. I think on the uh, 24th. It's pretty wild. Which is really crazy. You
1: know, Um, somebody's out there like trying to get there with a family trip. Like, what do you mean it's close for snow?
0: Well, yeah, it's like just like a spring skiing go-to place. And even when they were filming the movie, they were like, yeah, we were expecting to have like, you know, some, you know, spring conditions. And they're like, we just got dumped on again. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes you get lucky, but, you know, you see the drive and you, I'm sure if you're actually there, it's completely different, but the videos and of what it looks like are unbelievable. But the, uh, being there must be just on a whole nother level. So that is amazing. And besides that, there are still several other places in the continental U S you can go and ski right now. One of the cool ones that I think they just must, must have reopened it this week because I don't remember seeing it open last week is that Snowbird is having a big Fourth of July festival. Nice the bird. And they are going to be open. Um they have an event going on. It's uh Flapjacks and Ski Tracks. That's huh. on 4th of July from 8 a.m to 12 p.m. They're going to have a chance to win limited edition Fourth of July t-shirts. Um, it's going to be their last day, Fourth of July, which is still a pretty, pretty damn good season. And then going a little further north, you go up to Squaw Valley. I mean, they've just been—they just keep getting dumped on. I mean, they had—I think they had records for May and June. Oh, that they, wow. they had so. They're going to have three days of live music from a Jerry Garcia tribute band, a um, famous high camp pool and hot tub party. If that's pool parties or more your speed. But yeah, they're open from skiing and boarding July 3rd, to July 7th. Lifts are going to be open from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, and then on the 4th through the 6th, lifts will be 7.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. Very cool. And I've been watching videos the last couple of weeks, and conditions still look really good. The snow is still in good shape. I mean, could you like Lake Tahoe on 4th of July? Must be just an incredible scene. Yeah, it must
2: be nuts. Like, especially now, like people are expecting something different. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. And then freaking Mammoth, of course, they're open. They're always going to be open. They're, they're skiing and boarding daily until August, which is of course includes 4th of July weekend. And they're going to have on the sixth, the freedom bash and fireworks show from the summit. And then last but not least a basin in Colorado, they've been having a, you know, they were, I think the second, mountain open second or third this year. Cause I think Wolf Creek beat them to it, but they are going to be open on 4th of July from eight 30 to 2 PM. They're going to have live music, uh, the beach. They're going to have the party there. So, you know, because it was such a great winter and some of these spots just got so much snow towards the end of the season, they're still still getting their turns in. So uh-huh. you can ski on the 4th of July this year. But perhaps North America, the US it's just not doing it for you and you want to go venture out somewhere more exotic. Well, my friend, you could do that as well because Valley Novato is open for skiing right now. Granted, they're not in mid-season form quite yet, but that's okay. They have the mountain just opened. We're recording this on the 28th, Friday, the 28th. They just opened today. Wow. The Valley Nevada, Chile is open, ready to go. If you want to go there. Also Portillo, also in Chile, they're up and running. Again, they're not at mid-season form. They've got about 40% of their lifts operating. They've had 82 centimeters of snow. So what's that? Like two feet, three feet? Yeah. Could be way off, right? Like thirty inches. About thirty centimeters, about a foot, roughly. So, yeah, not quite three feet. So they got snow going on there. And uh Bariloche is not quite open yet. I think they're uh they're due to open relatively soon, but as of right now, I'm seeing
2: yeah, they're getting ready. They're ramp. I think that whole all of Chile is is ramping up. They're going to be open soon, though.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> the season is. You know, this is pretty much their their November right now. So places are open. So you have a lot of options on the eastern here. I'm
2: looking at the profile for
1: Hintertux in Austria. Mm-hmm. They are freaking. They're still. They a lot of snow. So, which Hintertux and times in Times in France? So, France and Austria. So, Hintertucks, I think, um, um, Skip mentioned to us. went there.
0: Shout out to Skip and Jen. Skip and Jen. Our friends, um, our ski adventure friends.
1: Yes. So, they're saying, um, for today, most recent snowfall. Uh, fresh snow, nine, 9.1 inches,
2: um, upper and lower depths, uh, 153 inches still spring snow. Everything's open. 10 out of 20 lifts open.
0: That's not bad for July.
1: No, not at all. So there's parts of Austria, I see, uh, Italy, Austria again, Zermatt, 98 inches, spring snow, 9.1 inches fresh. Tines in France, 129 inches. So there's still pockets all over Europe, especially the, the Alps.
0: Yeah, there's no excuses if you really want to get out there. There's a lot of a lot of places you can go to, no matter where you are stationed at. And I'm sure if you were going far, you know, far enough north in Norway, like Hammerfest or up there, I'm sure you can find snow up there too. Yeah.
2: Powder report in Las Lenas. Las Vegas. Mm. That's Argentina.
0: That is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what is, the, what is the
2: exchange for...
1: Argentina is on its own currency, which tanked, right?
0: Yes. They have like crazy hyperinflation there right now.
1: And Chile has their own currency, but I think that's like that.
0: It's not as crazy. not as bad as like a Venezuela. It's kind of a free-falling nightmare in terms of its currency.
1: Yeah, Argentine peso, that's what they have. And it is, so one peso equals 2.4 United States dollars. I mean, point so 2.4
2: cents for one of the pesos. Okay. So, but I don't know how much like stuff would cost 10,000 pesos, I have no idea. Mm.
1: And then, and then Chile has a Chilean peso. And that's even worse. That's at 0.15 cents per peso. Oof. Yeah. So now... You're if, walking around making it rain like 10,000
2: pesos at a time.
0: So if you were to hop on a plane right now, if someone, someone wrote you a blank check and said, we're going skiing tomorrow.
1: It wasn't conversation not too long ago. Like yeah. about Where are
0: 15 you 15 minutes ago. Where are you going right now?
1: You know, I don't know too much about the travel in each of those, but I know Argentina flying to Santiago, I think, right? Or is that Chile?
0: That's Chile. I think you have to go into Buenos Aires.
1: Buenos Aires. So I almost think um, Chile might be easier to travel, like in terms of planes, trains, automobiles, that
0: kind of stuff. I've, yeah, I'm. I'm not exactly sure. I know but
1: it's something I would be researching in the next two days. Let's put that way.
0: Yeah. I think if someone told me I need to get on a plane and go scary to ski on the 4th of July, I think I'd probably have to go to Lake Tahoe. Boom. Tahoe. They have as much snow as they do there and all the other activities that could be had at Lake Tahoe. That would be my spot.
2: That's true.
1: Get my gambling in. Get my skiing in.
0: let get on the lake a little bit, too. You know, get a boat. Do some jet skiing. Can you go in Lake Tahoe? I don't even know. I'm Probably going to Reds. Red's. <laughs> you could do a lot. And then get some legal cannabis there.
2: That's right. It is legal there.
0: Go to that, um, what is it? Is it 5550, the brewery that, that we had some beers from when Rich was here that one time? Oh, yeah. A lot, a lot of good stuff going on out there.
1: Huh. I mean, Tile sounds pretty good. I know Bariloche and Valle Navarro, that those are on my list to go to someday, but they were not really high up on the list. I'm like, well, if I had a chance to, so.
0: The thing is with those, like, I think it's just too early in the season for those. Yeah, and we we
1: also talked to Kristen at the ski house this year, and she did. she stayed like an extra two weeks or something. In... Where was she? yeah. She's in Bariloche, Yeah. And she said it's great when the snow hits, but in between, it's just kind of not great snow. Right?
0: That's exactly what she said. Yeah. she. I think she was originally there for two weeks and the snow wasn't good. Yeah. But she luckily was able to extend her trip and waited long enough and got a dump and said it was amazing. But by like the next day, it really was... Right.
2: That amazing
1: exactly powder true. day you get... So, yeah, I don't know. I just think, uh, yeah, it's nice to be as an option, but, you know, we'll see. Then again, you know, who doesn't go on a ski trip for at least a month?
0: I mean, Uh, what kind of peasant would you have to be?
1: I know you you Uh, want to enjoy the spa and all the food and, you know, you got to enjoy the place.
0: Life is short, right? All right, exactly
1: you know if it's if it's not fresh powder you might as well go to the spa give them a massage today
0: a waste of time otherwise
1: <laughs> give them a massage with the with with the robber craft <laughs> always gotta chuck them in there always that's right eat some tide pods give them a massage a little robber craft to end it good to go good day that's a good day
0: <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you can do fourth of july a lot of great skiing options available If you have any tips, recommendations, or if you want to fly us out to go skiing with you on 4th of July, hit us up. ski podcast at gmail.com. Under the Ropes.
1: So first off, we're going to start with uh, something that's been a hot topic for a while. Uh, I know it was recently in news because of the amount of people there and there's a real sports show. And I think a Dateline did a show. So there's been a bunch of stuff going on about it, but we're talking Mount Everest. Um, and <laughs> this report is that Mount Everest has become an open toilet. Uh, a staggering amount of human waste found on its slopes. So they go on to say like, I know there was a big cleanup that recently went And they said they cleaned up, Cleanup crews removed more than 24,000 pounds of garbage Mm -hmm. and recovered four bodies. So there's a lot of stuff up there. Um, I know the body thing, they did a story on that a long time ago that we actually talked about where there's bodies up there, but I think it's part of the local customs, like not to disturb the dead or something like that. So they used to just leave everything up there. Um, and that's why they have these markers of of some of the older, more famous markings of like was it Green Boots and some of the other people that are up there that are just dead and preserved because it's so cold.
0: They're like mummified up there, yeah.
1: Yeah, they actually turn it into like jerky. It's crazy, but um, yeah, I guess you know they they remove some bodies and and just the amount of waste. So they're talking about the current biggest threat to climbers. um, So the head of the Nepal Mountaineering Association said the biggest threat right now is the staggering amount of human excrement being left on the slopes, with some estimates putting the number at more than 17,000 pounds for this season alone. So basically, that's a lot of shit left behind. Um, That's crazy, right? So they're saying it's impossible to know how exactly how much litter is spread across Everest because it only becomes visible when the snow melts. But at Camp 2, two levels higher than base camp, uh, Sherpas who worked on the government cleanup drive um, believe around 17,637 pounds of human excrement was left there during this year's climbing season alone. Okay. So basically that tells you everybody that goes up to Everest, full of shit. Um, It's got to go somewhere, Uh, but they actually said during the expedition to Camp Two, which is the higher um, elevation, eight out of the ten Sherpas got stomach illness from bad water at Camp Two. So that's another thing. So it's affecting the water. It's affecting the environment. Like you're talking about detrimental. You know, if you want to save the planet, don't go climb
2: Everest. How about that? Um, It's just bad.
0: Yeah, well, it's so gross. Yeah, they're saying that people, instead of going and using, like, the the makeshift toilets, they would just dig a hole in the snow and crap in that. Yeah. And then as soon as that melts, it goes into the drinking water.
1: Right. So now you got drinking water poisoned by human waste, um, which is kind of how we live down here, down the mountain, but uh, just saying.
0: But yeah, just, like, that's just, it's such a douchey thing to do.
1: Well, it's even worse because they say... Um, it, it spills downhill towards base camp, so it, it pollutes base camp, and then it even, com- it even spills down further to poison the communities below the mountain. So now the people that live there that are supporting these tourists to come in and climb Everest are suffering because basically they're shitting on everybody below
0: So at this point, what's the point of climbing Everest?
1: You know, so the,
0: bragging the real... about it and posting on Instagram and showing off to your stupid friends—that's
1: all it is. It, it's a, it's a meme. It's a, it's a freaking selfie nightmare.
0: Yeah, that's all. But it's really become now. It, I mean, you're not conquering anything new. You're not doing. Any, it's not like you're doing a different route. You're not doing right. adding a different challenge to it. You're just have a ton of money and you want to show off that you could do it.
1: Right. And you're not self-supporting. I mean, you're going up and Sherpas. So I watched the Real Sports one, I think it was from last week, right? And they covered that whole Paul uh, Everest thing. And they were talking about the Sherpas themselves and how how basically they're trapped because they live at this high elevation, this very small community, and that's their home. But there's no other jobs. So there's no other way for them to make a living. They make like, it's like an incredible like three or four times or even more uh, times on uh, somebody in the community they make by being a Sherpa and they go and they just travel and they say, they said something like going through the ice falls, they say is treacherous. They say the whole goal of going through ice falls, which is that, that glacier that you have to go through to, to start climbing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's so treacherous that they say the goal of it is to, is to go through as fast as you can. So now you're talking about climb and traverse as fast as you can because it's that dangerous they said the people go up and they you know they take their one shot through it going up one shot go through it going back but they say the sherpas during a season almost go through it about 30 times wow so they risk their lives third time, just going through that not to mention the fact that they're carrying tons of pounds of shit for um they're interviewing one of the sherpas and he's like yeah he's like you know we bring whatever people want to bring up. So they bring up, you know, fancy food and bottles of wine and tables and shit that you don't need if you're going up there. And, you know, if you think about it, like they didn't talk about it in that show, but they talk about it in this article, there's a lot of waste that's left behind. What, do, what are they doing with that bottle? Are they bringing it down? They should, but maybe they don't all the time, you know? Then there's the waste problem. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and these Sherpas are, are lugging. Like so, while people are going up with all their climbing gear, these strippers are going up with limited climbing gear, and all the other people shit on on their backs. So they're saying it's like superhuman strength. They're going up like high altitude. Like so, while the the visitors go there, and it's hard enough to breathe and and navigate, these people are just like they're animals. They they're just freaking like beasts. They they go up and they carry all this shit up at the high altitude. Like you know hundreds of pounds of, of shit for, for people just to have their little amenities. And, you know, end of the day, they're risking their their lives just to have a better um, life for their family. But, you know, they interviewed the the one guy and he said, when you leave for the season, you say goodbye to your family like you're never going to come back because they say so many of them die during, during the time. Nobody cares about it. You know, the community there cares about it. But the tourists, they're like, well, I paid for a Sherpa take my shit up to that, you know, and it's kind of one of these things where you see the exploitation going on. So hopefully it gets more attention. Um, but I just, uh, I, I don't know, man, what do you, what is your take on it? I don't think it's real. If you climb it with that much help.
0: No, I think at this point it's just becoming, it's almost becoming like a, well, it's still very dangerous, but it's becoming like a roller coaster ride
1: pretty soon they're going to put a tow rope and a fucking like a little cart that you take a gondola. And then we're like, Oh yeah. Did you go? Did you go? I, I went too. you know,
0: like, it's like, Oh, I had my four Sherpas carry me to the top, but I yeah. got the top of Mount Everest. Oh, yeah. oh,
1: I did it. And I had five martinis on the way up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, like really, I mean, um, obviously
0: it's still very treacherous, but yeah, it's, it's just becoming, you know, like a spot to take a pic, take a selfie on at this point. Well,
1: I thought it was telling. So in the real sports show, they asked the Sherpa, they said, in your estimation, out of, out of 10 people, you know, so you just give an estimate, you know, at, you know, they say nine out of 10, eight out of 10 out of 10 people, how many people do you think are qualified to actually climb Mount Everest? And he said, um, eight, eight out of 10 are not qualified to, to climb but That's they right. get there because they put everything on the backs of these Sherpas. They carry oxygen. They do all this other stuff to like get there to do it. But it's like you're, you're, you're doing it. But you're not doing it the, the way Tenson Norgi and, and the, the you know the first guys to go up. You're not doing it the way they did. They did. No. I mean, that is bowler as hell. They did it like and think about the time they did it. They didn't have the technology of equipment that we have today. You
0: know, no oxygen. Yeah, men. that's like, that's like, uh, like doing the Tour de France with like an e-assist bike.
1: Yeah, exactly. And same okay.
0: well, like I did the Tour de France.
1: Did Tour de France, man. I uh, I cruised up the hills and I really worked on the flats. Like, really, dude. Like, you can't do that.
0: Yeah, but, it's not the same. Yeah, but yeah. That's again. But it's people who have enough money to go on an excursion like this yeah. will, you know, will find a way to twist the narrative to make it seem like they're these incredible climbers. Yeah. When in fact, like you said, they're not qualified for it. And without having tons of assistance, they couldn't have done it.
1: Well, and now you think about it too. Like, so I guess they come out, they charge what is like $10,000 for each permit to to climb up the mountain. The, uh, the government does. And that used to be a lot of money way back right now. There's so many fucking rich people out there that because the economy is so good that that's not, Anything that's going to inhibit people like, okay, cool. I still want to do it. You know what I mean? Like that's not, so I I think the government should be like, look, take better care of the Sherpas. Make people start carrying their own shit. Make them, um,
0: make it a hundred grand for a permit.
1: Make it a hundred grand because you know what? They're going to have to go up and clean up. Maybe the Sherpas have a better lifestyle and it'll pay for the cleanup afterwards because you know, these are the same people going up that are climbing up in this thing saying, Oh great. I'm with nature and then they're destroying the mountain that they're, they're climbing up, you know, it just shouldn't, shouldn't, I, I don't think a lot of them realize the, the detriment they're leaving behind. That's, that's also sad, you know? So now I think with a lot more media attention, people realize like, Hey, you know, you go in and you got to leave it the same way you left it. And,
2: and that's, that should always be what you do. But I also think they should carry their own shit.
0: Completely yeah. agree. Yeah.
2: And pay the Sherpas just for being there. That's what I'm yeah. saying.
0: No, uh, I, I agree hundred percent with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a messed up situation. Uh, yeah. The money, I'm sure, you know, whatever people are paying, it's it is going to the Sherpas, it's going to the community. They're they're improving their their lives because of people coming to climate. Right. But they're also having their environment they live in all year, not just that, you know, two or three week period in May or June. When it's climbing season, I mean, these folks had to live there year round. So if their water supply is polluted or damaged from these climbers, it's, it takes a big toll. And is that money worth it at that point?
1: Yeah, I, I got a great solution for it. So you visit the Sherpa village, and they give you the VR experience of climbing Everest, and they talk to it and sell you a bunch of old shit, and you support that local community. And then if you really want to climb Everest, hundred grand permit, you go up. And you you carry almost all your shit yourself, and you come back. You don't come back. Oh well, it's, you know, good luck. Yeah. Hopefully, you are prepared. Sounds good to me. You know, somebody's gonna have like a drone carrying their shit or something. It's it's uh, gonna be ridiculous. It's
0: gonna get it's gonna get, get worse. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, for sure. All right. Speaking of getting worse, I got one last story. <laughs> and designers built an ai penis detector to protest google's prudish doodles. Oh, nice. This is kind of an interesting story and there was a uh, a quick draw which was an ai experiment from google and it would guess at what you were drawing, what you were doodling on. And it was sort of like an ai pictionary and with, you know, google later releasing the millions of sketches as uh, an open source data set.
2: That's pretty cool that they
1: collected them and then gave them back to everybody.
0: Yeah. But of course there was a certain doodle that the (laughs) AI never recognized um, and never appeared in the data. And it was the humble penis. Nice. Yes. Which (laughs) was probably the most significant and durable doodle of all time. (laughs) It's, It's been, you know, scrolled on walls in rome and in medieval manuscripts super bad man (laughs) it's super bad is perfect example i'm sure we've all got some library book out in grade school that had a few pictures of dicks on there (laughs) you know it's one of the easiest things to draw and you know why wouldn't you draw it because it's you know fun to draw
1: it's the original non-social media dick pic
0: yeah it was like the the pre phone the pre cell phone dick pic
1: That's right.
0: It's in its purest form. Yeah. So, you know, the Mozilla Foundation commissioned a Dutch design studio to build an AI penis detect, penis doodle detector. That's wow. They actually, like we talked about before, it was the freaking Silicon Valley (laughs) hot dog, not hot dog.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. And, you know, they said that people like a lot of, you know, non-Americans were kind of pissed off about that because the rest of the world is not as prudish as we are here in the U.S. For some reason, you know, we're, we we think we're so advanced and, you know, we have the latest technologies and, you know, we're always at the forefront of, of you know, trends and popularity and fashion and whatever. For some reason, we still have this, you know, Puritan underlying belief system that seems to be running through a lot of the country. So yeah, we claim to be free
1: and we're really not free when it comes to sex violence. We're really free on it. We love violence. Super free. Don't show a penis a nipple, like any innuendo of sex and somebody's going to flag it for something. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. So now you can, you can play on this doodler. And if you start drawing what looks like a penis, the, uh, The AI actually says, we assume this was a mistake and erases it. Warning users, don't take individual expression too far.
1: Oh, I'm trying out the penis detector. Yeah. I'm drawing right now.
2: Loading. Loading.
0: Yeah. And I like one of the comments that's made in here. And it says, the point is, we think our moral compasses should not be in the hands of big tech.
1: I just drew a penis. It was one little tiny line. Yeah, it's one little tiny line with two little tiny balls. Is uh, that very small? Not like. did it. Huh? No, it didn't erase it. I just beat it. I beat it in two seconds.
0: You're beating penis. the penis you drew.
1: Penis not averted. Boom. Uh-huh. Got your number.
0: Is that like a um, like a cubist penis? But could be is. practiced.
1: I'm going to actually take a picture and put it online because nobody's going to detect it.
0: This is an abstract penis.
1: No, it's just you draw a line and then you put two little dots on
2: either side of the bottom. There you go. Penis.
0: Yeah, the the person, the uh, guy from Moniker, who was the company um, that helped build the product, he says, you know, the product isn't about freedom of speech. It's about the unwanted powers of big tech and their governmental paternalistic tendencies. To us, doodling a penis is a lighthearted symbol of for a rebellious acts. Right. I agree with that completely.
1: Oh, I'm sending you my penis now.
0: Oh, again. Oh, it doesn't even take that? What the heck? is? See, there? it's banning you.
1: Now let me take a screen grab. Close we go.
2: Boom. All right. That's gone out to here.
0: Yeehaw. I will enjoy it. I will get it framed. Hang it up in the studio here.
1: All right. It's coming. It's coming your way. Get ready for it.
0: Oh, boy. Boom. Boom. I'm ducking. I'm ducking.
1: That might seem like a little caveman kind of penis, like a cave-drawn penis, but it still works. Still legit. You still see a little bit in there. Yeah. I think there's a way to buck the system.
0: Yeah. Really do believe. Oh, look at that. It looks kind of like an upside down like a uh, snowman eyes <laughs> and nose. Like the uh, pieces of coal for eyes and a carrot.
1: It does. You just flip it up and boom, penis. It works. I'm saying. And they say on it, like it, it starts talking and it says, oh, if you find something that you believe is, you can report it.
0: Who's like, reporting stuff like that? I'm not
1: reporting anything. What do I report? What?
0: The people who report that kind of shit are the same people who shit at Mount Everest and leave it there. That's
1: right. They're 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 sight shitters. That's what they do.
0: They're all about shitting shitting on things. Shit and leave. They're like the pigeons. Like freaking pigeons. They Just shit and leave. Yeah. All right. So, anything else you got? Or are we gonna wrap this bad boy up?
1: I think that uh, I think that wraps it up because. Uh, I got a lot of pieces to draw
2: on this thing.
0: Yes. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Check out the shop. Buy some swag. We'd really appreciate it. If you can, go to your favorite podcasting apps and rate us and subscribe. It would really help us out. Find us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at ski bump Podcasts. We're also available on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all wherever you find podcasts and videos and funsies we will be there or send us an email ski bum podcast at gmail.com thank you again for listening this is going to go out fourth of july week we're going to be off the week after we'll be back mid-july hopefully with a, an interview and we will see you guys then have a great fourth of july and see you next time say hi, stay polluted see you